On this week's Magic Memories, Dennis Newman sits down with one of the most beloved Magic players of all time, former Magic point guard and current Dallas Mavericks assistant coach Daryl Armstrong. They get into Daryl's long and winding path to the NBA, his love for the game of football, that beloved heart and hustle team, and the story of that fateful courtside monitor killed by Tim Hardaway, resuscitated by Daryl Armstrong. Sit back and enjoy This is the Magic Memories podcast with Dennis Newman and Magic legend Daryl Armstrong. Hi again, everybody. Welcome back to the Radio Guy podcast, and we welcome you this week. We are in Dallas doing this podcast here tonight. And I'll tell you what, if you're listening for the next few minutes, I think you're going to enjoy this. You won't enjoy it as much as I will, but I think you'll enjoy it. This is going to be fun. I've worked for this team now for 30 years. I counted it up. I've seen about 250 players, maybe a little more than that, come and go in Magic Pinstripes. And, you know, I'm running around town, Central Florida. I'm asked all the time, who, who is your favorite Magic player of all time? And they said, do you have one? And I say, yes, yes, I do. And he's sitting across from me right now. Daryl Armstrong, it is good to Thank see you, you man. It's been a long time. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am good. I'm good. It's good to be in Dallas. Good to see you. I was thinking about it. I think I met you. You were 26 years old. Yeah. I was in my early 30s. <laughs> I don't know what surprises me most. You're over 50, and I'm over 60. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time, but we still, still pushing, still doing it. Boy, you're coaching now. I want to talk a little bit about the start because I, I, a lot of people don't know basketball. It really wasn't your first love, was it? W- weren't no. you a football guy when you grew up? Yeah, I played football for 13 years, um, you know, from Pop Warner to junior midgets up to middle school and then high school and then walked on in college and uh, played two years in college. And a lot of people don't know. You, you, I know you weren't in high school a place here. Maybe you were. I know yeah, you're a punter or receiver. But but in, at Fayetteville State, you walk on and you decide to kick. And you, you had a pretty good career doing that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was funny because my last year, um, my college coach Jeff Cable told me to go out and help the team. The field goal kicker had quit, and so they needed somebody to kick. And uh, so I, he asked me to help him out. And he said, Mike can help us with some stuff getting for basketball. So I said, all right, I'll go and end up going and end up kicking two 47-yard field goals that year. <laughs> One of them against Terry, um, Terry Bowden, who was at Sanford College. Really? Yeah. This is right before, the next year he goes to Auburn and go 11-0, but they won probation. So. And yeah. I, as I remember, Darryl, you were always a Redskins fan. You grew up yeah. a Redskins fan, right? Yeah. I mean, when, you know, when I was growing up, it was well, no, no Carolina Panthers. It was right beside Charlotte in Charlotte. Um, it was always going to be a game on CBS or NBC, and it was going to be the Cowboys, Redskins, or Pittsburgh Steelers playing. No direct TV, no none of that, and uh, I just fell in love with that um, that burgundy gold. And I tell you, what, you've lived here in Dallas for the last. T- How in the world do you survive here being a Redskins fan? <laughs> I tell you, it's rough. It's rough this year. <laughs> it is rough. It's been rough, but. Uh, I just have fun with them. You know, I, you, you'll see tonight. I might run out tonight, and they all be sitting right there trying to get autographs, and I come out, and, and especially when they lose. You know, I, when, they, when the Jets beat them, I start yelling, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They just booed me, so I'm used to it. Back to your basketball career, you come out of college, and it got a little rocky. I mean, you had to start. At that time, you started overseas. A lot of guys weren't doing it then, but but you did, and it worked out for you. Yeah, and, and you know, for me, um, my senior year, I was still, we was almost to the state championship in high school. And, you know, for me, I, I never played high school basketball, first of all. And then um, I decided to go out. We got got beat in the semifinals, and, 
and the coach, the season has started, and the coach was like, um, you know, you can play on the team, but you're not going to get much playing time. And and I ended up being probably one of the two or three best players on the team. And, and um, by Christmas time, he was giving me some playing time, and it just took off from there. And then when I went to college, I walked on there. Um, my third, fourth, and fifth year and played there and played for a, a coach who um, was probably the first one I ever heard that thought I can play on that next level was Jeff Capel. And, um, but I got started with Ray, Medu- Ray Medugo, who was also my football coach that my senior year. Uh, he found me in inner mirrors, and, um, if, and by him finding me in inner mirrors, and Coach Capel came on, and Coach gave me my first scholarship, and for the next two years, it just took off, and I just started believing. And But, you know, like you said, I had a, a rocky road. I mean, I had to go five different leagues, you know, overseas two two times, Cyprus, Greece, and, and Spain, and then Spain. It hit. It, I got that call on um, my last game of the season, and uh, I'm flying to Philly, meeting John Gabriel at the airport. <laughs> I think my favorite story, I think you were in the global – basketball association mm-hmm. i don't even know what that was but you were in that league back in 93 it folds you you got no job yeah. so you go back what to high school to coach and everybody knows this story in orlando because it, it just is part of magic history you worked in a yarn factory overnight yes. just to pay the bills just to pay the bills and then um when i had time i go help my ex high school coach who gave me the opportunity to just, you know play high school basketball and and um, so, you know, from there, I just went, when when the USBL came back around a couple months later, it just once I got back in there and I got the opportunity to get in some NBA camps, it just took off from there. And, you know, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't get in right away, but you can just I could just see myself, you know, growing, growing every every summer, every every um, season that I played in and. Like I say, next thing you know, I mean, I'm I'm not in the yarn factory no more. I'm in the NBA. (laughs) Are there many guys in the NBA that have yarn factory assembly line on their resume? I I don't think so. Nah, nah, they might have Foot Locker, (laughs) (laughs) something like that, but nah, they don't have the yarn factory. And it was just, I'm I'm still puzzled because I think back to how I used to take the yarn out of the box and put it in a basket and cook it. I had to know the, 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 the style of the yarn and everything, what time, how much time it's supposed to be cooked. And then I had to, once it's cooked, put it back in the box, wrap it up, seal it, put it to the side. Let's go with the next batch. Wow. And, and that explains so much about you, though. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But that, that really explains, I think, who you are, too. Uh, talk about the John Gabriel call, because did John see you overseas or did he see you here in the States when he made the call well, to you? Well, he saw me. What was crazy was um, uh, we playing down in Daytona Beach um, at um, Bethune-Cookman College, and um, we got two games there Friday and Saturday night. And uh, it was two kids, I think, that played on Western Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky, and they was um, got to the Sweet 16 that year. So they was playing with the Daytona team. One, one kid had to play against me. His name, I think, was last night was Bale. And um, I, I, long story short, I had 45 on the first night and 30 on the second night. And I looked up, and uh, one of my coaches, who he's passed now too, uh, was big, big in my progress, but uh, Al Outlaw. He looked over at me, and I, I remember John Gabriel having on a USA hat um, with the red, white, and blue when the USA. Yeah. And he looked over there and did this right here. He said, I got, I got his card. He said, the Magic. I said, oh, yeah. So that's how, that's how I got seen down in, um, for the Magic. Yeah. John Gabriel makes a great move. He says, we, we need this guy. He'll help us. And, and people don't remember, that was a good basketball team. The Magic. You join us in 94, 95, late in the year. Yeah. How, 
how do you remember that when you came in and joined a team that eventually goes on to the finals later that year? Well, it taught me a lot. I mean, you know, even though they was a young team, they taught me, you know, taught me how to win. It taught me how to also lead and uh, be responsible, be, you know, be on time, you know, get your work in. Um, you know, and I just, I, I just wished, um, you know, that the, the rules was like it is now. Maybe, maybe, you know, with the pressure and the stuff I could do back then, could have probably helped our team. You know, if, if coach could have put me out there just for five minutes to see if can I change the, the tempo. You just never know. But you know, now once the season, once once the roster, um, once the playoffs start, the roster's not set. You can always change. You know, rosters as as game to game. But back then, once the playoffs started, everything was set. So I didn't have opportunity. But it was still fun to to my first year come in there and just to, and eyes wide open. We in the NBA finals. You know, so. It was great, and it just taught me, um, you know, this is what you're supposed to strive for. And, and I've been there three times, you know. I lost two, my first two as a player, and then won one as a coach. So, I mean, that's unbelievable for me. And as I remember, that run, you traveled with us, and I'll, I'll never forget, a lot of people in Orlando won't, that mustard-colored polyester leisure yeah. suit. Yeah. That, you still have that? No, I, I, I sold it. I, sold I bet it. you did. And I was playing around. I sold it. I, I sell it for $100 because, you know, back then, you know, my name wasn't big. I, I, you know, I, he can call my room, and he, and he called my room. And then it was, the funny part was he came to the game in uh, Orlando, and uh, that's the year we got swept. And he's sitting with it in the back of our bench, behind the, uh, our bench. And I was like, oh, Lord. And I looked at it. I said, I can't believe you even wore that suit right there. <laughs> Late in that season, you were playing a little bit for us. A spectacular. I know you remembered. I think it was the second game you played, that spectacular windmill dunk. Uh, I think it was against Indiana. It was a game. I think it was a blowout when you did it. But yeah. the crowd just went crazy. And I remember later, and you correct me if I'm wrong, the players were discussing playoff shares after the season. <laughs> and Shaq, Shaq says, Daryl Armstrong deserves one. A couple guys look at him. Daryl, and he said, yeah, for that windmill dunk, <laughs> for that dunk alone, he gets a share. Yeah, that was um, that was the last game of the season against Indiana. Uh, Greg Kite made the pass, and I stole it from Greg, from Greg uh, making the pass and reversed it. And and uh, I, I didn't know how I didn't know how tight ball players was, you know, when it comes to playoffs. Yeah. But they was tight. But Shaq was trying to hold my back, and uh, but you know, you know, I understood that you know I, I didn't deserve a full playoff share. You know, whatever they gave me was good because they, you know, I, I wasn't there all year. But you know, like I said, it, it was it was just fun to see somebody have my back like that and. And it was Shaquille O'Neal, you know. <laughs> couple other highlights that I remember. Uh, it was my first year doing play-by-play. You make a steal against Philly late, you win the game. Yeah. Uh, how do you remember that play? I mean, it, the game really seemed like it was over. They're inbounding, and you just make a trem- uh, just a tremendous play and a finish. Well, I, it, it's, it started from the year before. Um, we was down in Cleveland. We was down um, 18 with six minutes, something to go. We ended up coming back. And um, I stole the ball with about five seconds ago in, in the fourth quarter to tie the game up. Brevin Knight came up. He didn't touch me, and I just shot the gap and got the ball. And, and we ended up going in overtime winning. And I thought about that play. You know, I was just sitting there thinking about it. And um, the ball hit my hand. I, I looked up. Penny made a, a, a great string for me. I just threw the ball ahead because I only had three seconds. And um, that's that's when I realized I was fast. People can't say I wasn't fast, but I got down there and laid it in and won the game. So I mean that was amazing. That was an amazing year because that's the year I won a six man and most improved. Yeah. So you know those memories always stay in my mind. I always keep. I always got a lot of old tapes and I will watch them. I'd be like, wow, 
you know, great times. The amazing thing I always remember about you, Daryl, was you could dunk. You know, I think we listed you at six foot. I, I don't know if you yeah. were close to that. I don't know. I but, don't know who lied on that. But yeah, <laughs> but you know, it wasn't the dunking ability. The thing I'll always remember about you was your ability to chase a player down and block a shot, and you did that time and time again because guys just did not expect yeah. you first to get there and then block the shot. Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to my football days when I used to play pick up with my cousin them um they used to you know i was younger they, they say you're gonna play don't cry you know don't get out here you got to be tough and it just taught me how to be tough so it taught me how to never quit on plays and um but to be honest with you that was some of the funnest things to do is run down a guy when he think he's got a layup and um block that shot i mean i've done it here with dallas i've done it my my my, my last year in the nba i've done it at age 40 Rondo, it was against Rondo. Ran him down and blocked his dunk. And then when Rondo came here, I said, Rondo, you remember when I blocked your dunk? You ain't blocked my dunk. I said, hold on, I got it on tape. And, <laughs> and it showed. turns things around for the yeah. crowd. I mean, the crowd yeah. just changes immediately. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's something special. I mean, I did it here in game seven against Houston, and that's, the, that's when we set the record for, mm-hmm. I think it was 40, 40 point win or 41 against Houston in game seven. And then I blocked Mike James right down there on that goal. But I about tore up all my whole backside. <laughs> I was hurting for the next two or three days. But it was um, it was unbelievable block. I mean, I, I I think people, I think fans get up for that, and they just get get our guys going as well. And maybe one of my most memorable memories for you, Daryl, was the game. I think it was Denver. It was Tim Hardaway Sr. throws the TV onto the floor. <laughs> it shatters. You run over there. You grab the TV. You dust it off. You run it back. To, we're sitting courtside at the old, old arena, and you plug it back in. You know. Clap your hands, and you're off and running. You're back playing basketball. And it, and it comes on. It wasn't no picture, but it came on. <laughs> it I'm did. like, what in the world? So, but you know, we got Tim Hardaway Jr. here, and he he, he say, you 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 went and picked up the TV, and it worked. I said, yeah, it worked, man. I said, your dad was on one that night. <laughs> you talked about the Heart and Hustle team. Do, do you have the memories that we as Magic fans have of that team? Yeah, I'm um, always going to have that because, you know. We lost Penny. We lost Horace Grant. You know, guys who took us to the NBA Finals. And um, for Doc, first year, we had Ben Wallace before anybody knew that was going to be the way Ben Wallace was going to play, a four-time defensive player of the year, uh, NBA champion. We had him, Bo Outlaw. When I had those two right there, I knew I had something special because I know these guys is like playing like like a guard sometimes because they can move their feet. They can block block shots. You know, everybody didn't give them credit on offense because, you know, they wasn't offensive players, but they knew how to finish and dunk. And uh, I just knew I had a special team. But I didn't I didn't know how well we was going to do. I mean, going 41 and 41. And I and I remember, I think, we had two 10 games losing streak in that year. And uh, missing the playoff by one was very special. And also getting Doc Rivers as coach of the year. I mean, that was, that was something good. Boy, it was. Very good. Now you're coaching. Last 10 years here in Dallas. What do you like about coaching NBA players? Uh, just <clears throat> just to be around the game, you know, um, be on the sidelines, say things to, to guys. Because when I first I, – I was, I was really trying to play my 15th year, and I went and worked out for Phoenix right at, right right before Christmas. And it's amazing what they say. Your body will tell you, you know, it's done. And my body told me that. And then um, about a week later, uh, I, I called my agent. I told him I'm done. And a week later, he called me back and was like, yo – they might want you to come up to Dallas and, and start coaching. And I said, oh, that's great. So that's what happened. And from there, I've been with them the whole time. And it's been fun because I get a chance to share my skills and my thoughts and guys who also at that time still knew 
knew me because I played against him. And then the first player they gave me was J.J. Barrera, um, a guy who's similar to my path, you know, and, um, you know, undrafted, came in here, worked his tail off, got the opportunity to play. He's an NBA champion. And I'll never forget um, the first thing he always told me when I, um, I said, J.J., you know, coach them told me they work you out. And we downstairs. He's like, whatever you say. And um, he's been he's been great. So, you know, I, I, I can't ask for more. When you when you when you got guys that know what you done done in this league, it's, it's easy to, to go out there and do your job because one, they listen to you. One more question, Daryl. I know you you got to get down there right now. And oh, I'm not worried, but I'm watching the guys. They ain't left yet, so uh, I'm good. <laughs> all right. I, I know you still do a lot in Central Florida. You've got a mm-hmm. basketball camp. You've yeah. got and, and I think maybe closest to your heart, you have your foundation yeah. for premature babies. Uh, tell us a little bit of the story of, of why that is so dear to you and a part of your heart, part of who you are. Well, when I was in college, my brother had a premature baby, and I didn't know anything about it, you know, and I just used to see the pictures and her on, you know, in wires in the incubator, and then I used to babysit her sometimes. So um, she had problems with her legs, you know. She had, she had, to, had to break her ankle, you know, trying to straighten it up. They had to do a lot of she – was, she was pretty serious in serious condition, and she's doing great as we speak today. But um, so, but when it really hits home, when, when it hits you, you know, when I had two, I had Malia Armstrong, who was um, the, my first preemie, and then Daryl Jr., who was the second preemie. And, uh, you know, once you see, see your child going through, you know, things that you're not for sure, are they going to make it? Because I don't – you know, I, starting that foundation, I don't seen some, you know, some tough times in there. But, you know, um, thank God we got a lot of great nurses around the world, doctors around the world to help these premature. So that's why it's always been close to me, you know, seeing my kids go through it, which, you know, all they had to do was gain weight, regulate their temperature, and – you know, and, and move on. It was only in the hospital for about a week, but it, I don't see babies stay in there months, you know. It, babies who come out who's healthy, you know, because they're not eating, you know, have to come back in there. So it's, it's so many things you see. And, and um, you know, for me, I always wanted to do that for others, other kids because I think, you know, the kids are our future, you know. And so what better way to start a foundation for premature babies and hopefully one day my daughter can run it. And uh, my son can be part of it as well. We thank you for that, Daryl. We thank you for, what, nine years in a Magic uniform. You gave us great memories. You played the game, I think, like all of us would like to play it if if we could play. I and appreciate uh, it. We appreciate it. Thank, thank great you, Great to see you. Good to see you. The yes, best. Daryl Armstrong here in Dallas. Thanks for joining us on this Radio Guy podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Magic Memories podcast with Dennis Newman and Daryl Armstrong. Next week, Dennis Scott sits down with one of the greatest to ever do it, still one of the biggest what-ifs of all time, the great Penny Hardaway. We'll see you then.